Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you an edge on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today we're joined by Michelle Lewis, founder of The Color Cure and Visibility Vixen. How's it going today, Michelle? Hey, Jared. Things are going well. How about you? Uh, Doing well on this end as well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I can't wait to learn more about how colors may affect my day-to-day life. Um, I'm Nobody can see this, of course, but I'm wearing black, so obviously I'm not representing uh, color theory very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us like in a, uh, I guess, kind of your 15 second elevator pitch for like what it actually is that you do um, in color theory. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Michelle Lewis. I'm the founder of Visibility Vixen and The Color Cure. And I specialize in helping entrepreneurs identify connecting with their audience in a deeper way through color psychology. And what I've found, especially with my students, is that when they focus and they make that shift, not only does their business grow faster, but their connection with their ideal clients deepens and it's much easier to get them directly to sale. Okay. Okay. Well, I've, I've got to ask right off the bat then, like, what is, what is my black shirt doing for this conversation? Am I <laughs> inhibiting the flow or am I helping? <laughs> You're not inhibiting the flow. Uh, black actually isn't specifically in the visible light spectrum, right? It's the absence of light. So it doesn't really affect the body much. So whenever someone comes to me and says, well, my brand is black and I'm not changing it and I love it. It's like, okay, that's great. But how are your sales? Could your sales <laughs> maybe be more if you moved your primary color to an actual, you know, primary color and then maybe uh-huh. had your secondary be black. So not, not, not offensive in any way. It's okay. just not necessarily doing a lot for you. I'm going to have to review shows where I wore my blue shirt. I have a shirt yes. identical to this one, but it's blue. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll have to see like how the conversations maybe shifted. Um, wouldn't that but, be interesting? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Thankfully, we've got an expert here. So you're aware of it and you're like, you're, you're kind of, you know, pushing my black shirt aside or giving me some <laughs> leeway here, I hope. Um, uh, tell us, like, I guess you have a really interesting story. Um, you started out somewhere in the film industry, I think. So tell us a little bit about like your intro to, I guess, your career and your journey into entrepreneurship. Yes, it is, I guess, kind of a strange story. I don't think about it a lot now that I've been an entrepreneur for so long, but I grew up in the film industry. Uh, my mom was a casting director. My dad was a director producer. So that was my life. And I loved it. Like still one of my favorite places to go visit is a film set. You know, it just feels like home to me. Uh, And then when I graduated high school, I went to college, got a film degree. I know a lot of the people that I have met over at Kajabi have also been Biola graduates. So hey to my fellow graduates. And then after that, I went right into the film industry and I worked there for 10 plus years. Uh, I did a lot of different jobs. My most predominant job was a stand-in. So I worked on a lot of different shows like Numbers and Pretty Little Liars and Chuck. And my goal was to eventually be a creator. And so I wrote and produced and acted in a pitch pilot uh, that I created. And the reason that I actually shifted from that career to this one is because not only did us pitching the show, that wasn't successful, but the concept was taken and tweaked and then launched. And so that was my kind of lowest of the low moment where it was like, okay, all this work for nothing. It can be stolen that quickly. Um, And so that's what really made me go, I need to build something myself that can't be taken so easily. Wow. Wow. What a, yeah, what a low blow on, I guess, just to kind of paint the picture, like what did those, what did those next steps look like? Because I imagine like you had to, you know, you had to still find a way to keep yourself afloat, keep paying the bills. Like, did you continue in the film industry and kind of start the business? Did you already know what you're going to do or how did you, how did you actually navigate that transition? Yeah. When I found that out, 
about, I was standing in on a Disney show and I remember seeing the article in Variety running outside of the film studio. And actually this might be too much information, but throwing up in a trash can because I was so devastated. And I went home and talked to my husband and just, I mean, let's be honest, whenever we have that like crisis of career, there are tears, there's a lot of emotion. And I said, what, what do I do? Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't just be a stand-in for the rest of my life. And I can't keep working in an industry where I know any creative idea can be taken. Uh, And so he said, well, you need to quit. You need to figure out what else you want to do. And so my dad actually, he said, well, why don't you start writing eBooks and just see how it goes? So I thought, okay, you know, let me try that. And that turned into uh, me creating my first e-course. And then on and on we go until I finally realized like, oh, well, I can start teaching entrepreneurs how to get more comfortable on camera and how to shoot their own videos. And that's what kind of started the progression of everything into what it is today. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, uh, I'm interested, like, tell us a little bit more about, and I may not be using the words right, color theory, color science, like, like, how did that come into the picture? I didn't hear, maybe I missed it, but I didn't hear you mention anything about that in the college path. Like what got you into color? First of all, what is it? Color science, color theory, color, color psychology, color psychology. Yes. Mm -hmm. What got you into color psychology? You know, this was an accidental find. I mean, I had studied from my own independent research when I was in film school, what color theory, if you want to call it that meant in film and how you can watch a movie in certain colors can foreshadow different things about a character or a plot. And so what was interesting is when I first launched my business online, like most of us have, I launched myself as a life coach online. Nothing wrong with life coaches. I love all of you. This just was not my personal path. And I chose my favorite color, did you know, a photo shoot that I thought would look nice, structured my offers and launched and nothing happened. No sales, no followers, no engagement. And so I did what most of us do when we have a failure online. I blamed myself and what's wrong with me. And this just isn't my path. And then I thought, okay, well, I've done this before. I've self-blamed and had that tragedy. So what if I analyze why maybe this went wrong? And let's take out the messaging. Let's take out my offer. What would it be that maybe could have made people not engage with me that was just from them seeing me for the first time? And I thought, well, that was just my color, which was teal, which is my favorite color at the time. Is it possible, especially thinking about my film studies, that maybe people would have a different impression of me if I just was a little bit more intentional with my color choice? So that's what I did. And I figured out, okay, I'm going to go with this stronger blue because I really want more motivation and trust. That's not the only thing blue means. It was just in my case. And so I redid the photo shoot and I relaunched and the response was completely different. It was much more engaged, many more purchases than zero, you know, more followers, more invitations to speak and get on podcasts and summits and stages. And so that's what really made me go, oh my gosh, like, could this be true? Now, of course, later on, I've done the research. I know that people buy 92% based on visuals. So my instincts were right, but that's what really started the door opening for me. And so that's when I started looking at, okay, color science, color medicine, you know, how the body physically interprets color. And I realized how powerful it was and how it was such an important marketing tool for entrepreneurs, but no one was talking about it. So that's when I started talking about it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine that, that you're the the very first person to talk about this, but I, I also don't think that this field is like, it's not a saturated field. Like, I think you're the first person I've encountered that talks about, you know, talks about color psychology. So um, can you give a little bit of a, I guess, just a look into what that looked like when you first launched? Like, I imagine there was a lot of speculation, maybe a lot of, or I don't know, tell us, tell us what that journey was after you actually put it out there that you're going to help people with color. 
Sure. The first time I really did it publicly was actually on the TEDx stage in New York. The one that I pitched was the colors in your closet can change your life. And they loved it and they accepted it. So it was really kind of like trial by fire. And what was so cool about delivering that message on stage, it was very simple. Just how can you use... Here's the science to back it up. And how can any person in the world use this strategically when they go to their closet every morning? And what was really cool is that during the break, I was flooded by attendees. I think there were like 250 attendees, right? And it was just like a pile on. And it was not, you did such a good job. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. It was, oh my gosh, I know what I'm going to wear tomorrow to my meeting. Oh my gosh, I know what I can wear to calm things down with my mother-in-law. You know, It was this empowerment. And that's when I knew I was really onto something. And I started really small. I really held back on color for probably too long, uh, thinking about it now. So I taught it as kind of like a side lesson inside of my memberships and my courses. It wasn't the clear winner. And so about six months ago, I realized I need to launch the color cure because this, yes, it can apply to businesses. It can also apply to so much more in daily life, you know, what you paint your house, what kind of food you eat, etc. So that's when I really lasered in. And, and most of the time, the people who do maybe have a reaction, they're ones that want to keep their brand colors, their favorite color, because it's their favorite color. And <laughs> sure. usually they then learn the method and learn the theory and then they make a tweak and then, you know, their sales explode or whatever. And they're like, okay, you know, I get it. I'm glad I made the change. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a really kind of, that's a cool point about it because even though the topic is maybe, uh, you know, it, it's not commonly talked about in college or, you know, school, you, I guess we learn about colors in grade school, but we don't talk touch on it much after that, it is very accessible. Like it's something that anyone could take action on right away. Like maybe it's just changing their shirt for the next day. Maybe it's me wearing my blue shirt for my podcast recordings instead of my black ones. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us like a little bit more about like how you use uh, color psychology to impact businesses and entrepreneurs. Absolutely. It's my favorite thing. I love nothing more than talking to people about it. And what's great is that this isn't just for online marketers. I've talked to contractors, real estate agents, midwives, uh, astrologists, like anybody can use this in whatever vocation they have. When it comes to marketing, what's funny is that the biggest businesses in the world already use this. They spend millions of dollars in research because they understand color psychology. So the only group that I found really doesn't is more of this entrepreneurial space. And when I especially first started getting into the industry, I heard a lot, branding doesn't matter. People buy because of you, not your brands, or not to bother with branding until you've hit your first million. So that's what kind of led me down the path of, okay, I'm going to focus on my verbal and written messaging, but not my visuals. But the stats are exactly the opposite when you look them up. So that's what really made me go, okay, let me start testing testing this on some of my students in my programs and putting them through this because what I like to look at your primary color is what you want your ideal client to feel when they first see your brand because that's the touch point whether it be on ads, social media, email marketing, introductions, that's what's going to make someone either connect with you or not. And that's the way that I found it's most powerful to short track the normal time which we know is like between 10 to 15 touch points before someone buys from you. This can really short 
shortcut that process where maybe it's just one to five or maybe it's zero. And I think that's what's really important to get that competitive edge. And why not symbolize to your ideal client, this is why you should come into my space because this is how I can support you. So it sounds like you kind of cover the gamut, if you will, like everything from like the materials that you're producing, like from the business card to the logo to maybe even how you dress when you're showing up in front of a prospect. Exactly. Your photo shoot, your brand video, the colors chosen on your website, your funnels, your email marketing, your social media, supporting the message that you have visually so that your ideal client can connect to it and be attracted to you. And how does like, I I mean, forgive me if I sound a little bit skeptical now, but how does someone like go from colors can't solve a poor product? First of all, I think we probably both agree on that. But like just changing from a like, do you believe that if I were to walk into the building and sell the same exact product and one day I'm wearing my black shirt, the next day I'm wearing my blue, am I going to get different results? Energetically, yes, because right color is vibration, which is technically sound like it's all the same kind of thing. So if there is the primary colors in the visible light spectrum are red, orange, yellow, green, purple. I'm leaving one out. Red, orange, yellow, green, purple, blue. Yeah, blue. Uh, So those are the ones that we can see, which means that they have a corresponding vibration. And since we know that we are electromagnetic beings, we absorb and react to those light spectrum colors, right? That's why we are dependent on the sun because it gives us the colors in that visible light spectrum, which also happens to the plants and how they absorb light and the plants are what we eat, etc. So all of that is science. So if you apply it then to a wardrobe color, a brand color, why would that stop the process? You know what I mean? Of having that reaction. We know that we can prove it in film. We know that if you're watching a movie and you see a lot of orange, that that's going to be a very, depending on the shade, let's say it's like a marigold orange. It's going to feel very welcoming and very exotic and very family oriented. And all that's proven by audiences. Let's think about the best exotic marigold hotel movie, right? Whereas let's think about Sixth Sense and the use of like those really strong, vibrant purples and really almost like bloody reds. So if we know that an audience is going to react to the colors that are put in a movie, then we know for sure that they're going to react to the colors that we put on our website because that's also a screen. Does that kind of help? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I and I, I definitely agree. I remember thinking back to some, some of my very early days in entrepreneurship and I showed up, this is embarrassing, but I showed up to probably my first sales meeting, if you will, where I was selling my services in a hoodie, a baseball cap and shorts. Um, and, you know, Love thank it. God, I don't know how I did it, but I managed. I still managed to make the sale, but like there was an obvious, obvious transition when I started focusing on appearance to some degree, like dressing better. I, I I didn't like zone in on the color, color theory or the color psychology, but their visual definitely makes a difference. No, no question. I'm curious, like from your perspective, what are some of the things that you've seen? Like, have you, have you observed any quick wins from your students that you're teaching? Like any, like even just anecdotes of like, I changed my shirt and I made the sale or. Like what, what, what's kind of a short form of the success that you've seen? Of course, you know, I see it every day. Um, I have people coming into the community to celebrate their wins, which I love seeing a couple that I remember one of my students that I adore. Her name's Tiffany. She went through the process. She decided on a specific yellow people in her fan base, her following grew her, some of her programs sold out in advance, which had never happened before. And she had people constantly sending her photos of different things in their environment because they were 
referred to this specific yellow as Tiffany yellow. Um, another one of ours, her name is Kate. She is a midwife and she really wanted to figure out how can I more deeply attract my ideal client and what can I wear on different calls and meetings to be a support. And so she decided on purple since it can be a really great relationship color. And that just did really well for her. I mean, I've seen people use orange and now they have waiting lists for their one-on-one programs. I'm not saying that it's entirely due to the color, but the color supports the intention. So it's much more cohesive to someone who's just, you know, a follower that comes across your stuff. So of course, like you said, a color isn't going to fix a bad product, but I would probably go so far to say that it would increase sales to the bad product. And then they'd go, Oh, this sucks. And you know, get out of there. But it definitely is that subconscious support that we need, which is why color is so focused on, especially in the food industry, in the toy industry. I mean, look at T-Mobile. Why did they outpace AT&T with their revenue in like two years? Because they were the first wireless carrier to use magenta in their branding. Everyone in the industry thought that they were crazy. But when I first saw it, I'm like, oh shoot, they're going to be starting like a phone revolution with this magenta. And it worked. So it is used every day and it is proven. It's just like I said, something that isn't talked about in our industry very often. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely there. I mean, anyone who I, I has any familiarity with internet marketing, you know that like even the tiniest friction point that you can, if you can eliminate from that, the from the sales process, like your conversion rates go up phenomenally. Like you, there's a very significant difference by eliminating even the smallest barriers. Um, I do want to like, kind of just like wrap this back into you and your story. We've been talking a lot about colors because this is really interesting, but want to know like a little bit more about your journey of bringing this business to life. Can you just for one, I always like to kind of understand like what the timeline looked like for you, like from start to like where you hit, like whatever you perceive to be like the success metric for you, because that's different for everyone. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I'm still on my way for sure. I think we all are, no matter what our income level is. I think what's interesting maybe about me is that I am not a unicorn. I am not a overnight success story. I have had to work hard, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, That was actually one of the things that brought me to Kajab because I wanted to reduce my monthly costs and I wanted to have a platform that could do everything I needed it to do. And so that was definitely a turning point for me. I think that was in 2019... I want to say it might've been 18. Uh, That's when I moved platforms. And that's when I really started getting clarity on what my offers were going to be. And I think we all struggle with this. What are the pieces to put together? Why? How? And then, okay, how do I now drive traffic to it all? So I didn't have a big team. I did it all myself step by step and just trial and error. And you know, was finally able to start getting that predictable monthly revenue that where it was like, okay, I can breathe now and try to be a little bit more creative. Um, And then... Then, like I said, about six, seven months ago, I'd been at you know a homeostasis and things were pretty predictable, but I wasn't feeling the joy that I wanted to feel in my business anymore. Things were just feeling a little bit tired. And I thought, okay, so if I was going to pivot from visibility, what would that be? And I realized my, my song, what lights me up is definitely color. And so that's when I went, okay, you know, I'm going to add another Kajabi site and I'm going to call it, you know, the 
color cure and I'm going to really, really hone in on that. And I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship because some people feel like when they get into starting their side hustle or their full-time business, they have to have everything perfect, everything nailed right out of the gate. And that can keep a lot of people from making the leap. I think most of us that have been doing this a while would say, no, there's been huge pivots and really figuring out where your zone of genius lies. And things are always shifting. So for me, it's definitely been shifting here, shifting there and finding what brings me joy and what really helps support my clients. Yes, that, that's definitely true. Did you have any more like shifting that happened, like even leading up? Because I, I I should have known this, but I didn't really hone in on the fact that you started out not focusing on color theory. What other shifts happened like maybe between like the moment that you decided to transition out of film on to like, I guess if visibility was like your first successful course, I hate like boxing it in, a, boxing it in there because every attempt is a learning of nothing else. But were there, was there more shifting like leading up to getting that kind of that successful product? Absolutely. When I first launched, like I mentioned, it was with life coaching. And then that's when I went, okay, I'm going to niche down more and I'm going to teach visibility with video, how to create really great videos. And that was my first course. And then I decided I wanted to do like a bunch of mini courses. So I did one on systems for your business and live streaming and podcasting. And that was pretty much what I offered for, I'd say, a solid year. And then I found that people wanted a little bit more community and mentorship. So that's when I launched the Visibility Masterminds. Um, and that was my first subscription product. That was very exciting. And that worked really well for a while. And then I pivoted it into the Visibility Lounge, which was more of a program membership that took them through you know, an evolution in their visibility. And back in 2015, when I first launched Visibility Vixen, no one said the word visibility. It was not a known word. I'm not saying I was the only one to bring it to the industry, but it was not overused like it is today. So as things grew, I went, okay, visibility is getting a little tired. What else can I teach? And that's when I moved more into the publicity realm because um, I'd been pretty successful getting on stages and podcasts and publications. So that's when I started teaching other people to do the same. And so the most popular product with that was the podcast pitch kit. And then it got picked up by AppSumo and things just grew really well. And so then I thought, okay, well, what else do people need? And I thought, what if I put in a weekly database of shows pre-researched so people can just see which one's a good fit for them and submit. And so that was Podcast Weekly and that did really well. So that was kind of my product suite for quite a bit until I realized I needed to narrow more into color, which then started my color brand course, which is much more recent. I'd say probably three months or so, but has been going really well. Very nice. Well, I think what's so inspiring about this is that like one, you didn't go to school for this. So it's not like there is this obvious like you're not a doctorate of color psychology or not a doctor yet. of <laughs> yeah maybe someday um like as someone if someone was listening who, who i guess hadn't you know taken the leap yet i'm curious like one of the things i'm just going off of my own own challenges and struggles as i think through these things like like how did you overcome like even just launching as a life coach i like the first thing that comes to mind of like who's going to buy from me as a life coach and i can see that like potentially going on repeat no matter what is like, who's going to buy, who's going to accept me as the podcast person? <laughs> um, how did you overcome that? 
I think that you have to really learn to build a thick skin for failure and to understand that failure really can be fuel to move forward into what you're supposed to do. It's finding clarity. It's like going to school and doing all of these extracurricular activities. You know, you're in PE and you're trying all these different sports. And if you're anything like me, you really suck at soccer and baseball and all that, but maybe you're great at badminton. That was my zone of genius, right? You have to try all these different things to figure out what your zone is. And you might go in and go, okay, I'm really great at training dogs. And so I'm going to launch with this dog training course. And let's say that it isn't super successful. Okay. Let's analyze the funnel and the messaging. Let's analyze how we're driving traffic. If all of that's been, I'm not going to say perfected, but looks really good and you're still not getting the conversions. Okay. Well, maybe this isn't the right type of product for your knowledge. Let's try a membership. Let's try weekend events. Let's try online summits. Let's figure out the way that people really enjoy learning from you. And so I think the clarity that I started figuring out was my teaching style. So many of us run to all these entrepreneurs and we see their success and we're like, okay, that's what I need to emulate. And it's not necessarily true because if you have a totally different personality type, that's not going to work for you. So I was taught this it might be kind of funny. I was taught by a real estate tycoon way back in the day. And he said, there's four types of people, shark, sea urchin, dolphin, and whale. And he said, the shark is very leadership-based, very driven, no nonsense, not a huge connection-based person, but they're really, really good at getting you a certain result because they're so hyper-focused. A sea urchin is very technically minded, really, really good at teaching processes, not hugely emotionally driven, but they need to see the statistics and the research in order to move forward. A whale, very heart-centered, huge on connections, wants every move they make to impact everyone in a positive way. And a dolphin, very uh, fly by the seat of their pants, joyful, kind of non-committal because they're just bouncing from here to there and they want to have a great time. So there's pros and cons to every personality type. But if you're a shark and you're really trying to produce products and market like a dolphin, it's going to be a disaster. And that's what I was doing. I was trying to be like all of my friends and the people I was following because they were seeing success. And then I was getting frustrated and torturing myself because it wasn't working for me. So when I finally went, okay, cut out all the clutter and the noise, narrow in on my strengths and my zone of genius and teach and bring products to market in that way. That's when a lot changed for me. I absolutely love that. And I love like just kind of zoning back. It's like almost like the this probably overused quote from Wayne Gretzky that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Like mm-hmm. until you start swinging, like you're never going to learn what does in fact work for you. So Tell us a little bit, you you mentioned 2015, came to Kajabi somewhere in the 2018 to 2019. Um, Can you give us just like a little bit of a picture of, you mentioned this earlier, but like, like what the driver was, why did you go searching for something new? Was it just the cost or? The driver was the nightmare of trying to piecemeal so many different solutions together at the time. And this isn't to disparage any company, but at the time I was using Squarespace, ConvertKit, Samcart and Teachable. And I did a launch for a new course and they weren't talking to each other correctly. And so I, you know, all day long, I'm on the computer trying to connect everything. And I thought that that was a simpler solution from when I was using WordPress before and thought that was a nightmare for me. So I was so frustrated. And at the time, my only option was to go to ClickFunnels, which was great. But my frustration was I had so many different products and my students were having to remember like 10 logins because they were all on different 
domains. And that works if you have the team to support that, but it doesn't work if you're, you know, doing it by yourself and trying to keep your customers happy, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I love ClickFunnels and I love Russell. It just wasn't the right fit for me. So when I saw Kajabi and I had a couple friends that were using it, but I thought, you know, whatever. But I got on one of the webinars with one of them because they asked me to. And uh, Ali was there talking about Kajabi. And I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a try. So I did. I moved everything over in like a week and it already was so much easier and I was paying less money. And so that's what really started me on the Kajabi train. And something that's maybe unique that I did is I focused first on my affiliate offer for Kajabi. And I taught everyone how I moved over and how I was utilizing things. So I got that affiliate payment to cover my Kajabi payment. And then it scaled up from there. So it became very advantageous for me. That cost definitely becomes irrelevant when <laughs> the bill yeah. is being covered. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I guess uh, take us kind of just back to, uh, I imagine like this is a lot of years accumulating over on top of each other, but like what, what has changed for you as a result of kind of taking this entrepreneurial leap as opposed to if you maybe just stayed in the film industry? Time and health is what I've been given by making this choice. You know, I've had a couple health issues over the years and they were exasperated in the film industry because you're working 12 to 14 hours a day. And in my case, you know, I was standing and if the actress was in heels, I was in heels and you're in the elements and all that. And like I said, I love the film industry, but I am not physically equipped to work in it my entire life. Right. And so I noticed that when I finally had time and space, and I was at home and it's like, it's a Tuesday and I'm not working. Like, this is amazing. I was able to then have this creative space. And then I was able to actually serve at a higher capacity, especially now. Like I get to get on color consult calls and talk about color for an hour. As you can see, just from this conversation, I can talk endlessly about it. <laughs> and when there's days that I'm not having a good health day, I can afford to take the day off. I can still be getting paid on the back end by taking that time. And for those of us that are really driven to start our businesses, yes, to have customer impact, but especially to increase our capacity in our home life and to our health. It's so, so important and such a blessing to have. So that was the biggest thing for me. And I love that like we we now live in a day and time to where that is probably more possible than it's ever been in history. Like I, I can't imagine either of our parents or our grandparents even considering like, I mean, it's probably a small one thousandth of a of a percentage of people that actually moved on this path. So before I ask you kind of like what's coming up next, I'm curious just as a like almost like a break the show type uh, moment here for anyone listening. Like what is if you have it, what is one thing like maybe just like a quick tip for, for color that someone can do? Like, let's just say they I don't know, they work a standard job. Like what's something that, that they can use color for to enhance their daily life? Dun, 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 dun. Right. I hope that there's <laughs> like some huge musical interlude to build this up. Up and then you're just so disappointed. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say the first thing that I think is really important is just look at your closet. I remember looking at my closet in college and it looked like a vampire's lair. <laughs> just black, gray, maybe a white, but that was it. Maybe blue jeans, right? And that was it. And so what was interesting is at the time I was studying a bit of color medicine and how plants absorb light and blah, blah, blah. And 
I went, huh? Well, since every color is absorbed by the body and is usually absorbed by a specific organ in the body, is it that because at the time I wasn't very well that I reject color because of how I'm feeling and how ill I was? And so I started just putting more color into my closet little bits at a time. And I'd put on something like orange. Usually people have the most repulsion to orange, but knowing, okay, well, this may link to my pancreas and let's see how I feel after a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden I really started liking orange. So it's a really interesting process. And I'd say if there's one thing you're going to do, just look at your closet, observe what you have, start strategically wearing more color and just observe one, how you feel two energy levels throughout the day and three, how people respond to you and just start observing and seeing what happens. Nine times out of 10, people are like, Oh my gosh, I've never worn color in my life. People always make fun of me because I always wear black and all of a sudden I'm wearing purple and I'm feeling pretty great today. So I think that's the best way to start. Well, I tell you, if nothing else right now, I'm feeling some conviction associated with my wardrobe. It's like you took a peek in there and were staring into my (laughs) eyes, telling me to change it. That's good because you were skeptical in the beginning. So I'm pretty proud of myself. (laughs) (laughs) You nailed it. You nailed it. Well, uh, tell us, I guess, a little bit like uh, what's next for you. I know you you mentioned like even this color theory launch or I just got to stop calling it color theory, uh, color psychology. (laughs) (laughs) This launch, this most recent launch is fairly, fairly new. Um, Anything on the horizon we should be aware of, though? Yes, I'm going to be launching my color cure brand in just a couple of weeks. Uh, We just did the photo shoot last week and it was just the happiest I've been. Like literally I'm on the floor in like this tie dye sweats outfit, living the dream, right? Playing with color blocks and like paint and stuff. So it was great. My (laughs) five-year-old self was just thrilled. Uh, So I'm launching that. And then in September, I'm going to be launching my color secrets book. So that has been long overdue. And I'm so, so excited to bring it into online space so that, you know, everyday people and entrepreneurs can understand more because I go into depth of like, okay, let's look at magenta. How is it used culturally? What's the science behind the color? You know, what are the different meanings and just crazy, insane details. So I'm thrilled about that. That's exciting. That's exciting. And September is not too far off, but for anyone who's, yeah, for anyone who's listening in the meantime, uh, what's the best way for them to kind of stay in touch with you and, and keep, you know, just keep abreast of anything that you've got coming out. Absolutely. You can go to colorcured.com. So that's with a D at the end and you can get on the wait list for the book. If you want, you can kind of check out what the new brand looks like. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll have that information in the show notes for you as always. Um, I think that's all we have for you this time. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. Um, I love the comments, so leave a comment for us. Um, Thank you all again for listening, and we'll see you all next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast. 